Welcome, Welcome to, to the Better, Better Call Daddy Show. This is Big Daddy. Oh my God, that's hysterical. You're not going to believe this. Oh, oh my God. God. Five stars. Five and a half stars. Papa. My dad is my hero. Grandpa, are you ready? I love a good happy ending. Oh boy. Hey, hey, The phony baloney. And a tit for tatter. Hey, a lot of these things, I don't know where you're getting them from. It sounds like they're coming from when I look in the mirrors. Damn the public. Damn the public. <laughs> My daddy thinks that the title of this episode is very similar to the title of the show, Better Call Daddy. Brian Sexton is seeing how his daddy's legacy can carry on. Meet the host of the Intentional Encourager podcast, inspiring people and inspirational stories, Brian Sexton. Brian, welcome. Okay, so we were just talking about Intentional Encouraging, which is the name of your podcast. What made you want to be an Intentional Encourager? I'm so glad you asked me that right off the shoot, because a lot of people want to know about intentional encouragement. I was looking around LinkedIn where you and I first connected and I was like, okay, I see so much expertise, but I see very little encouragement. And I've got tons of friends, you know, my background for almost 26 years has been in sales and sales management, customer engagement. And I have a ton of friends that are big time influencers that are in that space. And I said, okay, what about a sports podcast? And it's like, well, you know, and I thought I don't see a lot of encouragement. Like I saw a ton of expertise. I didn't see a lot of encouragement. And so I was like, that's what I can do. And the name just kind of came to me, you know, because one word that's big for me and it's my word for this year is intentional. I don't think you should do anything by accident. I think you should do everything intentionally. Like if I say something, I mean to say it like, oh, I just, I just happened to accidentally say something, you know, I, no, nobody does that. So the intentional encourager, that's how it came out. And I wanted to be that podcast that kind of told the stories of people that you saw on LinkedIn, like people that you knew from LinkedIn, you kind of saw their headline and you saw their profile, but you really, I wanted to be the person that, that really told a story behind that. So that's how it came about. I love that. How can we be better encouragers? by encouraging ourselves first. That's what people miss about it is, is they say, first of all, there's not a lot of people that seek out to be encouragers. You know why that is? Why? The reason is, is you give a lot more than you take in. And so in our society, and you know this very well, I mean, you've got kids. I have kids. Kids are takers. Kids are totally takers. Like if you ask them to contribute to the household when, when my son, he's a he's a 20-year-old junior in college. When my son was growing up, he was like, you know, hey, buddy, we need your help. And you kind of like, why? You know, like, because, you know, you're not just going to sit around here and slack. You know, this is freeloading stops at the back door, you know. But but again, you know, our, our world has become takers, and there's not a lot of givers. So when you, when you say be an encourager, that's a lot of giving and things like that. And so people are not used to doing that level of giving. But what happens is, is when you encourage someone and that, that reciprocation does happen, it's powerful. It's really powerful. And so then when you understand the power that you can help someone with, let me share this with you, Rena. You realize that expertise is closed off in most people that are going through some kind of event in their life. It's almost like we have emotional windows that are closed to expertise. Try giving someone advice in the midst of a difficult situation encouragement cracks that window. 
Now, all of a sudden, once the window's cracked, somebody, you know, it, imagine cracking open a window and being able to slide your fingers underneath that. Now, if you can get your fingers underneath it, you can lift the window. And so that's what encouragement does is it, it gets underneath there and starts to raise that window. And so now then expertise can actually come back in to someone. That's why encouragement is so important. If you're a business owner, if you're a business leader, if you're a leader of a company or you're a small business owner or what have you, if you want to have a more powerful team, start encouraging your team. You will light it. As we say in West Virginia, Rena, you'll light them up like a Christmas tree. I want to hear about some people that you've encouraged and what you have gotten them to do because of that. Well, you and I have a, a mutual friend, Kristen Sherry, who's an absolute wonderful human being. Kristen's encouraged me. I've encouraged Kristen. And Kristen's encouragement to me was to write my book, People Buy From People. We met for dinner about three years ago one night after she just wonderfully helped me land a position. And she said, you've got to write your book. You've, you've got, because I was telling her, I said, I've got this book idea. And so then we get into 2020 and I hadn't finished it. And Kristen's like, okay, when are you writing your book? And so she was an encourager to me in getting that going. And because of that, I'm able to share with other people the encouragement that my dad gave me, the connection that my dad taught me. And so I'd like to think with the Intentional Encourager podcast, I had someone the other day that I recorded an episode with. I was actually on their podcast and telling some stories about my life. And after we got done, she said to me, she said, I was having a really crappy day until we started talking. Your stories encouraged me. And so I'd like to think that every podcast that we do, the, the Intentional Encourager podcast, is my way of helping encourage somebody. I love that. And you said that you're still learning lessons from your dad today. Yeah. My dad passed away in 2012. He was 59. He died in his sleep. So it was about three weeks before Christmas. I was 40 at the time that my dad passed away. And so at first I was kind of like, okay, God, why me? How come you had to take my dad? And then it became, okay, well, it's time to, please don't misunderstand this term. I'm the oldest of three and I'm the only boy. So I was like, okay, you got a man up. So I, I gave the main eulogy at my dad's funeral. I planned the service because my mom wasn't in any shape to do it. I was the one greeting everybody at the door, making sure that, you know, because that was what my dad poured into me for 40 years. Reen, I'll tell you, that was the thing that really prepared me. I was like, okay, my dad was preparing me my whole life for this moment. And in that moment, you either decide to rise up or sink and my, and sinking was not an option. And so, but the funny thing about it is, is that I look like my dad, except for the fact my dad wore glasses and was clean shaven. I wear contacts and a beard because I was growing up. Everybody compared me to my dad and I was like, oh no, 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 no. But it's funny when, when my dad passed away, a lot of those traits that I thought were buried just kind of started rising to the surface. And there are times that I'll speak and, I, and I'll, I'll say something to my family. My wife's like, Oh my God, that was your dad. That was totally your dad. So uh, I still have my dad's cell phone number in, in my phone. I, I can never get rid of it. I've got a sweatshirt that belonged to my dad that I put on sometimes, you know, lounge around the house in it. I've got a watch, but yeah, my dad was a huge part of my life. Wow. I'm so sorry. That is really hard. It was, but it wasn't. And, and I'll tell you a quick story. Can I, can I share a quick story with you? Yes, I would love that. The day before my dad died, 
my dad and I worked together for the last 10 months of his life. My dad actually recruited me to the family company that he worked with. And I was like, I don't know about this. I, you know, I love my dad. I didn't want my dad to be my pastor. My dad pastored a church the last three and a half years of his life. I didn't want my dad to be my pastor. I didn't know if I wanted to work with my dad. I was like, I just want my dad to be my dad. You know, I just want to hang out, talk, stuff like that. But when my dad called me in December of 2011 and said, I need help, I was like, my dad never asked me for help. Like, like I'm the one that goes to him, and now he's calling me. And so for a couple of months, my wife and I just kind of kicked it around, and the more we talked about it, the more exciting it became. So for the first three months of my training, in air quotes, was me and my dad riding around parts of nine states in a van 12 hours a day and then eating dinner together. And I remember we were working in Richmond, Virginia one night, just north of Richmond, Virginia. It was close to Easter. So I was like, yeah, I want to look for a new suit. And he's like, yeah, I'll go with you. My dad and I talked about everything, a lot of stuff. The day before he died, I always told my wife, I said, I want my dad to see how good I am. I had won a ton of awards in sales. I had run territories. I had been a district sales manager. I had done a lot of things outside of us working together. And I told my wife, I said, I just want him to see how good I am. So the day before he died, every month, my dad would see a set of customers and I would see a set of customers. And so I was in Akron, Ohio, seeing a customer. And my dad told me before I went in, he's like, yeah, he's like the guy you're going to go see. He's like, I love his dad. It's father and son that work together. He's like, I love his dad, but that guy's a jerk. I hate that guy. He's a jerk. And I'm like, all right, whatever. Let's, let me go see, let me go see about this. So I go in and I call him the son. His name was Eric and, and Eric and I hit it off. I mean, we had a great conversation and we talked for an hour. My phone is blowing up. My dad is blowing my phone up. So I get back out to the van. He goes, where you been last hour? And I've been talking to Eric. And he goes, you've been talking to that jerk for an hour? And I'm like, yeah, that jerk and I connected. And he's like, I can't believe it. So Rena, literally the day, my, my dad's last day on earth, my dad's calling on this same customer. He goes in and Eric's the first guy that he sees. I'm sure my dad's going, oh boy, this is going to be... And for an hour, Eric tells him, he goes, I am so glad that Brian's with you. It's so cool to see you guys working together. We love Brian. You know, we're going to do more business with your company because of Brian. And he just made such an impact. Literally for an hour, he was talking about me with my dad. And my dad gets out to the, to the car. And my mom tells me afterwards, she said he was so proud of you. She was like, he couldn't let you know it because he was trying to keep you grounded. She said, but I've never seen him more proud of you than he was in that moment. It was kind of that fulfilling moment. I didn't know it was my dad's last day on earth. He didn't know it was his last day on earth, but mission accomplished. Wow. What a beautiful story and an incredible like closure. Well, so let me put some real closure on this. So my dad passes away on a Thursday and it's just, I'm in just such a fog because now I have to cover our territory. My mom says, well, we need your help at the church because I play music and sing. And they were like, well, we need your help. So I was going to my church on Sunday morning, then driving an hour to my parents' church. I was just taking a lot on. And I was just in a fog about the whole thing. Like, why am I out here by myself? Why am I, why is this happening? And I prayed on Friday and I said, Lord, I want to have a dream about my dad. And I'm dreaming. And my dad and I worked for a, a distributor of 
heavy duty auto electrical parts. So starters and alternators for the heavy duty and automotive industry. We're in a warehouse and I have my back to him, but I'm looking on the shelf and I'm pulling some product off the shelf. And I said, Hey dad, where are you going this week? And my dad starts telling me the places that he's going, our customers that he's going to go visit. In that dream, I have a realization that my dad's not there anymore. And I said, but you're not here anymore. I start crying and I turn around and there's a door to the left that's cracked open. And I see my dad go out that door and I sprint. It's probably 25 to 50 feet. And I start sprinting for the door. I've got tears in my eyes. I'm sprinting for the door. And my dad's outside and he's standing in front of his van with tears in his eyes. And he looks at me and he said, I didn't want to leave. And I said, I know you didn't, dad. And I looked back at him and I have tears in my eyes. And I said, dad, I'm trying. And he said, I know you are, son. And I woke up. It was like a physical weight was lifted off my shoulders. Wow, that sounds like prophetic. And I'm like, I can do this. I'm like, wow. I got this. I'm, I'm good now. And I've never had an issue since then. I'll tell you one more story that's pretty profound about that. I actually left the company that my dad and I worked with. I, there were some things that were happening internally that I wasn't aware of. So I ended up leaving the company. We, we had a good parting. It was nothing bad or anything like that. The next day, a customer who had came to my dad's funeral he calls me and he said, I've already referred you for a position. I heard what happened. I referred you for a position. And so about a month later, that position came in line and I took it. So we were going from Charlotte to Kansas City. In the Charlotte airport, I grabbed a California pizza because I love California pizza. I'm sprinting to get on the plane. I'm in the back of the, I'm on the back of the plane. And I'm, I'm saying grace over my food. And when I would pray, I would say to the Lord, I would say, Lord, you know, bless his food or whatever. Would you tell my dad that I love him and I miss him? Like every time I prayed, I would say, would you tell my dad I love him and I miss him? And I'm telling you, as sure as I'm having this conversation with you, the Lord spoke to my heart and said, I tell him every time you ask me. That is so beautiful. And so I have had a piece about my dad's life and death since then. And so there were some emotional moments as I wrote my book, People Buy From People. It was a tribute to my dad about the 10 connecting principles that my dad shared with me that I used in my life and sales and things like that. I got emotional in some of the chapters because I missed my dad. And there are times that I'll think about something about my dad and I'll choke back emotions. But to be honest with you, every time I think about my dad, it's gratitude. I am just seriously thankful for the legacy that he left me, the life that he lived in front of me and the man that he was and still is eight years after he's, after he's been gone and the impact that he made on people. What did you say in that eulogy? I said, my dad taught me how to do three things. I'll never forget it. I, my dad taught me how to love because he, he loved my mom for 41 years. My mom and he were together when he died. The funny thing about it is, is I talked to him at four o'clock the day before he died. Your mom's with me on this trip because my dad had a pacemaker put in about six months before this all happened. The company was great. They were like, yeah, you know, let, let her travel and things like that. And so my mom was real intentional about traveling with him. So they were going to go out to dinner at an Italian restaurant, I think Olive Garden or Caraba, something like that. And he was going to take her shopping and then they were going to work their day and come home. They were up in Northeast Ohio. And so I was like, I thought about calling my dad because I was in Boone, North Carolina. I thought, I, better, I thought about calling my dad. I thought, no, you know, him and mom are together. Let him just chill out and hang out. 
And I know it was because it was their last night together after 41 years of being married. And my mom said it was perfect. You know, they got married when they were 18 and 16. They had me when they were 19 and 17. And so after 41 years, you know, it's just like, that's the way to go. My dad taught me how to love. I've been married almost 25 years to my wife and I have a 20 year old. We have a 20 year old son. My dad taught me how to work. My work ethic totally comes from my dad. And my dad taught me how to serve. My dad was the absolute best at customer service, taking care of customers. My dad served his friends. He served his family. You know, the reason my dad and I worked together was because my youngest sister, who my parents adopted, was going through some challenges where she had a child out of wedlock and was pregnant with his, with my nephew. You know, my dad stepped up to, to help serve my sister and, and help her. But when I needed my dad, my dad was there for me. And so, so three things that my dad taught me. That's really beautiful. Those are good values to have. So you said that he was a pastor too. Do you think that played into why he was so good at service? Nope. He had it before then. And the reason that he became a pastor was he took a group of people that were meeting together. They had left another church and they were just meeting together and they just needed a leader. And my dad said, okay, I'll do it. No problem. And so all my life, my dad put me in uncomfortable positions because one, my dad displayed incredible confidence in me. And two, we were just trying to fill a need. We were trying to solve a problem. We were trying to take care of things. I learned versatility from my dad and a guy named Delbert Oxley, the first guy I worked for at 17 years old in a grocery store. Tell me more about that. I worked for a a grocery store called Tradewell, and my first manager was a guy named Delbert Oxley. I got hired in as a carryout. I bagged groceries and carried them out to the car and straightened shelves and things like that. But they also gave us a test, and I scored really well on the cashier test, so I was also a cashier. And Delbert believed in versatility so that if anybody called off, he could just slide somebody right in there. And that's where I learned those those two people, my dad and Delbert, really taught me the value of versatility. I love that. You said that your dad also put you in a bunch of uncomfortable. Yeah. When I, I, and I talk about it in the book, Rena, when I was 15, my church, I grew up Pentecostal. And so we, we've mm. always, a Pentecostal church or a charismatic church has always had music. When I was a teenager, my uncle started a church and we went there to help my uncle. One of my uncles who was legally blind played the piano and I had a cousin that played drums we didn't have a bass guitar player. I didn't know how to play bass guitar. I do now, but I didn't know how to do it then. And and we had an old keyboard that split. You push down a button and the bottom half would play, would replicate a bass guitar. And the the top half would, would be the regular keys. My dad's like, you may not know how to play bass guitar, but you've taken piano lessons. You know what the notes are. You could play the bass end of that. You could replicate that. So it's kind of like boom, 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 boom. And at the same time, here's here's what's interesting too. Around that same time, my legally blind uncle was at my house one Sunday and we were listening to a record. I was like, Yeah, that's an A flat. My my uncle said, What? Yeah, that's in the key of A flat. And he goes, and he looks at my dad and he goes, He's got perfect pitch. I've been able to do that since I was about 15. Are there songs that stick out in your mind from growing up? Did your dad sing too? Yeah, my dad was a singer. Is there anything that your dad used to sing that like, do you have memories of him singing? I can still hear some songs. I was in the driveway one day and I heard my dad singing in my ear. I I started to cry. I was like, don't do that to me, man. Don't make me cry. I'll tell you another quick story about my dad. The night my son was born, my son was born five weeks early. 
my dad was in Detroit for a meeting. I call him. I'm like, hey, we're gonna have we're in baby tonight. And he just he hustles. He's there. And I have a picture of me and my dad together. My dad, my son's just born and my dad's there. And he's got this huge grin on his face. And we're we're both smiling. He looks at me later and he goes, Not about you anymore. And my dad loved my son. He adored my son. There was nobody better than my son Bryce. My nephew was born about six months before my dad died. My son was the only grandson on both sides of the family for eight or nine years. That's he uh, got special time too, being the oh only yeah. for so long. Oh yeah. And when my my sister was putting the the pictures together in the for the memorial. It was funny. I was on my way to church one night on Wednesday night. I just happened to watch that video and I don't know why I did it, but it's still on YouTube. I came home and told my son, I said, I got a revelation for you. So what's that? I said, when I told you it was good to be the king, I wasn't lying. You were in 80% of that, that memorial. It was different pictures of my son through the years. My dad is irreplaceable in my life. But the thing that I'm trying to do now is one, to keep his legacy alive through people, by from people. And the second thing is for my son to understand that as, as long as I'm here, he and I are going to have that kind of relationship. And we do. Did you ever Probably. push his buttons? Oh, yeah. Oh, heavens, yeah. Yeah, my dad and I, when I was, was younger, we got into some couple altercations. <laughs> Yeah. How did that happen? Tell me a little bit about that. Oh, Cause it boy. can't all, it can't all be just a bowl of cherries. We got into it one day and my mom tried to separate us, but my dad did something really cool. I was working at the grocery store. I was in college. My mom separated us and I went to work and my dad came to work and he said, I'm sorry. He held his hand out. I'm like, me too, dad, me too. And so my dad knew how to defuse a situation. My dad would say something and five minutes later, forget it. It was over for him. And I, I, I'm kind of like that. But I will tell you this. My parents and I went through a real rocky time probably a, almost 20 years ago. And I had a real heart-to-heart -heart conversation with my parents. I went over to their house one Saturday, and I looked at my dad and mom, and I said, you're not making me choose sides between you and my wife. And I looked at my mom, and I said, if you make me choose sides, I choose her. And my dad was the one that intervened. And my dad was like, no, this is not happening. My wife will tell you, there were times that my dad called her about stuff. Like my dad and my wife had a real special relationship. Like my dad loved my wife. You did say, though, that he cheated on your mom. How yeah, did that come yeah. out? Well, I was 10. I was 10. Ooh. I remember sitting in my little league uniform, crying my eyes out because they were in a fight. And we went to my aunt's house for a couple of days. But, you know, the, the, the interesting thing about it was my mom and dad reconciled. And my dad changed. They did counseling through the church. The pastor of the church counseled them. And my dad changed. And I'll tell you something that my dad did later in life. When I was growing up and into, into the early years, my dad would go play golf on Saturdays and take golf trips. But my mom had always had a dream about owning horses and having horses to take care of and things like that. And my dad went to her and said, you have supported me all these years that I went and played golf on Saturdays. I will stop playing golf so we can do your horses. And, the, and he did. And, and I don't want to embarrass my dad with that. I think my dad would say about me talking about it, he's like, well, it kind of, 
makes me look bad or something like that. And what I would tell him, I would be like, but you don't understand how powerful of a connecting story that is. Like there are so many people that went through that, that their parents ended up divorced. Mine didn't. There are so many people that had a broken home from that. My home wasn't broken. Yeah, my dad made a mistake. And I don't know to the extent it was, okay? I don't know what happened fully. I don't want to know. It's not Really, it's none of my business. That's between him and my, and I've not even asked my mom. But what I will say is that it made me have more respect for my dad. Because here's how I really found, I kind of suspected for years, but we went to church with someone that had gone through a similar situation and it was really messy. And my dad looked at me, we're driving down the road one day and he goes, I can help that person. I was like, really? He said, yeah. He said, it's not something I want to admit to my my adult son. He said, but I messed up on your mom. My dad was so good at knowing how to help people. And I've got a really cool story I want to tell this audience. My dad had a really good friend named Ron. My family and I went to church with Ron. And my dad felt so comfortable with us going to church up there. It's about a 45-minute drive because of him. And every time my dad would work in Charleston, he had a customer nearby. He would swing by where Ron worked, and they would visit. Ron ran a daycare center at our church. They were just wonderful friends. He always talked about him. We were on vacation. We were, in, we were coming back from Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. We find out that Ron's wife passed away pretty suddenly. With, and I told my dad, I said, I'm going to work a little bit different this week. I said, I, I want to be back for that funeral on Thursday. Normally, we would go out like on Monday and Tuesday, come back on Wednesday, and then we would work locally on Thursday to kind of give our body some time to recover from the road. I said, I'm going to go out Monday and Tuesday. I'm going to be back Wednesday, Thursday. He said, okay, that's cool. So when I got in touch with Ron, Ron said, I know your dad has Bible study on Thursday nights. He said, we're having the funeral on Thursday. He said, would you call and tell your dad that I'd like for him to come? And I said, okay, yeah, I'll do that. I'm leaning on my dad. I'm like, look, you got to do this. You really got to be. He said, okay, I'll be there. So he comes back, gets in early, goes there. Ron's sister saw him waiting. She said, you come stand with us. You're coming in with us, which was beautiful. I'm standing there next to my pastor and Ron, who's his father. And and we're standing there. My dad goes up to the casket, pays his respects, and he embraces Ron. And it's the most beautiful, warm embrace of two lifelong friends that I'd ever seen. My dad leaves. The following Thursday was when my dad passed away. The first person I was able to make contact with was Ron and tell him what was going on. And he just said, oh, my goodness, I'm just so devastated. And he told me, he said, Brian, I want to tell you something. God never makes a mistake. He said, I know you think this isn't right. I know you think this isn't fair, but God never makes a mistake. And so Ron, being the kind of guy that he was, he worked through the weekend so he could be there for me to pay tribute to his friend. We had my dad's funeral on Monday and and Ron was there. We're standing outside Rena. We're standing outside the funeral home. Ron's just, he's two weeks after losing his wife. Now I've lost my dad and Ron looks at me and he goes, Brian, son, if you need a dad, I'll be a dad to you. I'll stand in the gap for my friend. And I said, I appreciate that. So a few months later, we, my mom comes to church with us, her and Ron, strike up a conversation and nine months after my dad passed away, Ron became my stepdad. No. True story. Wow. So talk about everything coming full circle. 
That is a powerful story. And so, yeah, you know, they've been married. They'll be married eight years in September. They fulfilled the loneliness. And, and Ron, I'll, I'll say this, Ron is so respectful of us continuing to honor our dad. And he's just so gracious with it and respectful. And, and it's, it's beautiful to see. What a beautiful second chance. Yeah. Is there anything that you'd like to ask my daddy? I want to ask your dad how he judges talent in other people. I want to know what happens when your dad recognizes talent in someone else. That's a great question. And no one has asked that yet. Yeah. So let people know how they can find your podcast, buy your book and connect with you. Yeah. So um, the intentional encourager podcast is wherever you find podcasts, just search the intentional encourager and intentional is I N T E N T I O N A L the intentional encourager. So if you just put those two words together, it'll come up Apple, iHeart, Google play, Spotify, Pandora, all those stitcher, all those podcast resources. The book is People Buy From People. I'll move that way so you can see it. People Buy From People. If you search People Buy From People, Brian Sexton on Amazon, it's available uh, in paperback, Kindle, and Audible where I actually read the book. So, yeah, it's me reading the book. And then you can find me on LinkedIn at Brian Sexton NBA, B-R-I-A-N-S-E-X-T-O-N. Also on Facebook, search The Intentional Encourager. Twitter at Brian Sexton one three and working on the second book that should be out probably sometime in July. Uh, the second book that I've written is called the intentional encourager. I love it. I can't I'm wait to get a copy. It. I'm working on it now. So yeah, keep up the good work. I cannot wait to read your book. Awesome. Rena, this has been awesome. I, I have looked forward to this for a good while and I love what you're doing with Better Call Daddy and one of the most unusual great names for a podcast. You keep doing, my encouragement to you is keep doing your thing. You are doing amazing stuff. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now let's switch it over to grandpa. What did you think of Brian Sexton? Very interesting story, Brian Sexton. He's quite moved by the passing of wisdom from his father, even though his father's life was shortened, working with him, respecting the things that he was trying to instill in him. He passes on a legacy of thought, a legacy of family, a, a legacy of love, a legacy of how to treat people and to treat customers. And you know uh, what my dad always said, I told you about the thing that we had in our business for 50 years, the customer is always right, especially when he's wrong. <laughs> You're there to make it right. Isn't that really what they, the essence of good customer service is? Is to be able to go the extra mile, show that you care about attending to others and making it happen. When you have an example like that with your life, it becomes much more fulfilling because you're only one person. So if you're just a taker for yourself, you're only affecting one person. But when you're a giver and a giver to many and where you service many, many people and you touch many, many people's lives, look at the tremendous impact that you have. And this show 
is also starting to pick up momentum because it's reaching out to so many other people and affecting other people's lives and passing words of wisdom and comfort and understanding to so many people that listen and follow your show. I think so. (laughs) The funny part is, is that sixth sense from the other world, I also believe in, as you know, that we've discussed many times, that a father and even God's presence himself, he can communicate through another dimension, not necessarily with everyday telephone calls, but through our dreams, through our psychic, there are ways to communicate that are not where you have to pick up the internet, where you don't have to pick up the phone, where you don't have to be face-to-face to feel and hear from someone on Earth and maybe beyond as well. I don't even know what to say to that. <laughs> it's quite intriguing because there's so many things that we don't understand until we do understand. The year 2021, that's second nature. And yet 30, 40, or 50 years ago, some of the things that we're doing today were part of cartoons, were part of our imagination. Nobody thought that they could ever be real 40, 50 years ago of what we're doing today. But those with a vision of the future think that we can develop And things that we're doing now will seem to be ancient to people 50 or 100 years from now. What else do you still want to do? I would like to continue to see if my wisdom rating could go up and to make an impact, hopefully, on the beautiful family that I do have. And hopefully, with the the three daughters that I have and now 13 grandchildren, that I'm hoping that I can be also a positive effect on their lives so that the legacy of Wayne and the people that also handed down wisdom to me and uh, a legacy to follow on and carry on for them on Maureen's side of the family and my own can be passed on and where we have a continuum where I didn't break the link. I don't think you broke the link. That's the thing. I'm looking at it where it's to have an impact on helping and developing others. The way we measure success, it's not necessarily in dollars and cents, but what kind of impact that we can make in helping others might have a little bit more value. What do you think of them apples? (laughs) I like them apples. (laughs) But I was quite moved on how he takes his father and his essence wherever he goes. And he also, because of the relationship that he had with his father, and he certainly had his imperfections as well that were stated in the interview, but he hopes to be able to have that continuum with his son and where he can have an impact and have that type of positive relationship where his son will have the same thing. I think that that is a very worthy cause. I thought you might like that. I did. Thanks for listening to the Better Call Daddy Show. Now you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. 
If you've enjoyed this episode of the Better Call Daddy Show, please feel free to review it at ratethispodcast.com slash bettercalldaddy. Add Better Call Daddy Podcast on IG at Rena Friedman Watts on LinkedIn.com. 